The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a certain man, Lazarus, was ill. He was born from, from Bethany, from the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and after he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the people there were just now trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of his world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring to merely sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was also called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when Mary heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were in with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she brought the tomb, she had gone to the tomb to weep for him. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man, blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, That I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in him will never die. Do you believe this? This week's readings have a message of hope, resurrection, and new life. As I was meditating on these readings, a personal experience kept coming to mind, which I would like to share with you. Before I start, I would like to make it clear that this experience is in no way intended to be about me, but on how God, through the Holy Spirit, works through each and every one of us to help each other. I was a volunteer chaplain and a palliative care volunteer at the local hospital, assisting the nurses and PSWs with morning feeding, personal hygiene, and changing of bedding. One Tuesday morning, the head nurse from the palliative care unit asked if I would visit a new patient. Let's call him Michael. She told me the patient wouldn't get up, wouldn't get dressed, 
and wasn't eating much. All he wanted to do was lie in his bed. She said he was very angry, depressed, and upset that he was still alive. After finishing my duties with the other patients, I said a prayer to myself asking the Holy Spirit to be with me and entered the patient's room. I introduced myself and told him I was a volunteer chaplain and studying to be a deacon in the Catholic Church. He was very quick to tell me that he was of a different faith. Then he asked me how old I was. When I told him my age, he asked very gruffly, why in the world would I want to be a deacon at my age? I really didn't think I looked that old. He then started to question me about my thoughts on different parts of the Bible. At the end of my Bible test, he said, well, at least we agree on something. Hearing that he knew quite a bit about the Bible, I asked him about his involvement in the church. He told me about all the things he had done at his church over the years, and it was obvious he had been a leader in his church and a person of great faith. He was actually starting to warm up a bit, so I asked Michael about his family. He told me he had five children and then spoke about three of his sons and daughters who were doing very well and how very proud he was of them. I asked him, what about your other two children? He told me he was very upset with the choice of life mates his other two children had made. One of his sons was living with another man, and one of his daughters was married to a black man, and they had a son. He felt both of these situations were wrong, and they concerned him greatly. Michael then told me about his wife, who he had been married to for over 60 years. She was a wonderful woman, a terrific wife, and a caring mother. Next, he told me that he had been diagnosed with leukemia three years ago and was originally told he would probably only have two years to live. Then he got very angry and hollered, it's been three years, so why hasn't God taken me? I don't want to live any longer. We talked a little more about his grandchildren and all the things he had to live for. At this point, the truth about what was really bothering him came out. It wasn't the fact that he had cancer and was going to die or the choices some of his children had made. He asked me, why would the God I served so well my whole life give me cancer and then give my wife dementia? She has had enough to deal with. I just don't understand why God would give her dementia. Why would God make her suffer this way? Deep down inside, he was only concerned about his wife. I have thanked God many times for having the Holy Spirit with me that morning, and without a thought, I said, 
I certainly cannot speak for God, but you told me how much you love your wife and how much you love each other. So maybe God doesn't want your wife to suffer watching you suffer. He looked at me with piercing eyes and said, what did you say? I repeated, maybe this is God's way of showing his love and compassion for you and for your wife so that she doesn't suffer watching you suffer. There was a long pause. And then he burst into tears, grabbed my hands, and held on for dear life. All his anger and anxiety was being released. We spoke a little more about the grace of God, and he asked me to pray with him. On Friday, I was back at the hospital, and again, the head nurse said she needed to talk to me. She asked me, what did you say to Michael the other day? I thought, oh boy, sounds like I'm in trouble. So I asked, why, is there a problem? She told me, no, but whatever it was, he is a new man. His doctor just left and said she hadn't seen him in such a good mood for over a year. And she even checked to see if another doctor had changed his drugs. In fact, he was doing so well, the doctor had agreed to let him go home for the weekend. He's been asking, when are you coming back? So down the hall I went, and sure enough, there sat Michael on the side of the bed. He was dressed, shaven, packed, and ready to go home. Needless to say, it was great to see him sitting there with a grin on his face from ear to ear. We had gone full circle. He told me now that his only concern, he only had a few months to live. It was the Mother's Day weekend, and he said the whole family was going to get together. We talked about how he had some fences to mend with his family especially his son and daughter and their partners, as he had not been the easiest person to live with. This was his opportunity to be the husband, father, grandfather, and father-in-law they all loved, versus the one they had been living with over the past year. That weekend, he did exactly that, mended all the fences, and continued to be that loving and caring person until his passing about five months later. Since then, people in the hospital have told me that whenever he told them about what happened that day, he would end up saying, I would have never imagined my new best friend would turn out to be a Catholic. Again, I want to stress that the experience was not about me, but about the way God uses all of us as a vehicle to do his work. We all have times when people reach out to us, so it's very important to offer that person the love and compassion that each one of us deserves. The truth is, we never know when God will call upon us 
to be his messenger, to be a helping hand to our neighbor, or when we will need that helping hand ourselves. I would also like to make another point. I can't say for sure, but I feel very strongly that he would have requested assisted suicide. This is concerning because not only is it against God's law, but with the assisted suicide laws that are in place, this patient would have passed all the criteria and been eligible for assisted suicide. As this experience shows, sometimes no one ever really knows what's behind a person's state of mind and the decisions they make. Like Martha and Mary, Michael had lost faith and trust in God. And like Lazarus, he was dead inside. It also reminds us of the gospel last week in the story of the prodigal son. Your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. As with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, God did not forsake him, but allowed the Holy Spirit to come to him and awaken him. This put him back on the right track in his earthly journey and as a man of love and set his mind at ease in preparation for his eternal journey. With this renewed faith, whenever I saw Michael again, he always had a smile on his face. I believe he is now united with Christ as he had been most of his life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, even though they will die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in him will never die. Do you believe this? Together now, let us profess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. My friends, we have seen the sensitivity and compassion of Jesus uh, towards those who were mourning the loss of Lazarus. Uh, May we learn from his example, mourn with those who mourn, and offer to God prayers for all. That we who seek the mercy of God for our own sins this Lent will show mercy to others with kindness and refrain from passing judgment on them. 
we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the mercy of God will deliver the people of Ukraine and many other places around the world from the destructive evil of war and make peace possible, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the relationship with Indigenous peoples, we ask for God's healing as we seek reconciliation rooted in truth and justice, and that the recent encounter with Pope Francis will bear much good fruit, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the many people, people affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, those sick and their families, health workers and the police, health ministers and governments, will be able to work together for the good of all. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. On this Solidarity Sunday, may we give from the heart, knowing that we are following the example of Jesus when we acknowledge that love is the heart of justice and justice is the social form of love. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us bow our heads and pray for our own personal intentions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear our our prayer. God of all, we give you thanks for the many benefits you have given to us, as well as for all the pains and insults you have borne for each of us. We pray that we may, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we may see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly each and every day. Amen.
Pray, my friends, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. For the praise and the glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Hear us, Almighty God, and having instilled in your servants the teachings of the Christian faith, graciously purify them by the working of this sacrifice through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as true man he wept for Lazarus his friend, and as eternal God raised him from the tomb, just as taking pity on the human race, he leads us by sacred mysteries to new life. Through him the hosts of angels adores your majesty and rejoices in your presence forever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of exultant praise as we acclaim. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, 
and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Daniel our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, unworthy that you should enter into my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
Let us pray. We pray, Almighty God, that we may always be counted among the members of Christ in whose body and blood we have communion, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Please be seated for a moment. So there's a, bu- so there's a bunch of things. I'll first start. Our bishop has asked that these words be read at all our churches this weekend, and it has to do with the, uh, the, the delegation of indigenous people that went to visit the Pope this, this week. And it reads, This past week, the indigenous delegation to the Holy See visited with the Holy Father in Rome. We have been keeping the delegation in our prayers at Mass, and many have, and many of you have joined these prayers with your personal prayers. At the final audience, Pope Francis responded to the indigenous peoples that he heard their experiences at the residential schools and felt both indignation and shame. The Pope's response echoes the feedback the diocese received in the survey on pastoral planning, which expressed anger and hurt from both clergy and faithful. The response of Pope Francis to the indigenous delegation was welcomed in a heartfelt and good way. Pope Francis will be coming to Canada to deliver the apology in Canadian soil, and as he said, not in the winter and probably before the winter. Let us continue to pray that this journey of truth, reconciliation, and healing will bear good fruit in our church, nation, and among indigenous people. Just to add to that, if you just take a look at our bulletin on our website there, there are some more resources about that visitation that took place. There's links for a uh, kind of a day-by-day breakdown, as well as in the entirety of the uh, final audience is there as well. A few more things. First, mistakes been made. Uh, which may or may not have been by, by me, uh, in our bulletin, um, Father Bill, is, is, he, he got added to the wrong list. He is ill, but he's very much alive. So uh, that, that's a mistake that's been made there. I've got lots of calls from people who know and love him, and we're concerned at that mistake there. Um, he is ill, and uh, because of that, Father Isaac is actually going to be filling in for him in Campbellford, probably at least for a month, but it may be, it may be, it'll probably be more. Uh, so Father Isaac is, is going to be um, away from us for a period of time. So do watch the schedule on our website and in the bulletin, because changes may come up as, uh, as we adapt here to just having, well, just myself for a little bit. Two things right off that will change. Um, not this Monday, but the following Monday, um, until Father Isaac's return, the Monday morning Mass is, is not going to happen here. Uh, I need a day off. So this Monday's fine, but after that, um, uh, until Father Isaac's back, there won't be a Mass here on Monday morning. The Saturday morning Mass, beginning this coming weekend, will be moved to 9 a.m. Um, I do need some help with our chapel on Monday and Tuesday. So Monday morning and Tuesday morning with opening the chapel at 8 in the morning and on Monday evening closing it at 8 in the evening. So especially for those who uh, enjoy making use of our chapel, I want to be able to keep it open, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to be around to to do all that on Monday, Monday and Tuesday morning. So if that's something you can help with, let me know. We'll get you keys so that you're able to open and and, uh, and it doesn't have to be one person doing everything by the way but uh, we'll we'll make sure that those who are helping are able to do that 
Uh, Palm Sunday next weekend, if the weather allows, we're going to start outside. We haven't been able to do this in a couple of years, so we want to enjoy that. So we'll start with the, the blessing of palms and uh, uh, more formal procession with everybody, if the weather allows, on, sa- on next weekend. So do, do p- be prepared for that. For some good news, the Knights of Columbus are going to start their breakfasts up this month. On, on the Sunday morning once a month. Uh, it's been, uh, the last one would have been February 2019, so we're happy to have that back, a chance to get to know one another, and we've got lots of new people who have joined us, so that's a way to get to know people. Finally, uh, on Saturday there, there will be um, uh, a greater opportunity to receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation, to make a confession. I will be available in the confession. I don't have it memorized the times, but it's a great many hours throughout the day on, on sat- next, yeah, uh, next Saturday. Um, if it's been more than a year since you've gone, you definitely need to go. This is a sacrament of healing. This is a time of healing, so it makes a lot of sense. If, he, if you're uh, um, not quite sure what to say or how to go about it, just take a look in our bulletin and on the website, too. There's an exa- several examination of conscience there for people of all ages uh, that you can go through to, to kind of examine yourself to see where might there be some areas of growth, some places where we might ask God for some ad- additional strength. We all need that. Uh, let us stand. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God, and have a great week.